Hello and welcome to the Maths Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 577. Releasing December 7 in Australian cinemas is Time Addicts, a sci-fi thriller that tells the story of two codependent drug addicts who go on a trip of a lifetime when they ingest a drug that teleports them through time. An innovative, entertaining, and surprisingly touching addition to the time travel movie subgenre, Time Addicts also marks the impressive feature film debut of director and writer Sam Ogden, who I'm glad to say joins me now on the podcast. Sam, how are you? Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Look, before we begin, I got a question to ask, something I picked up when I was watching the movie. So there's a part, there's a scene in the film where Denise, the the, the character played by uh, Freya Tingley, she has to take a bag out of this guy's arm and she replaces it with a teddy bear. Now, there are some mannerisms and some things that happened there during this scene. Number one, she kind of goes like this with her hands. She kind of like gets, gets her hands ready. She does the whole thing. And then afterwards, a little bit of dust falls from the ceiling. And I'm thinking to myself, Sam, is this your nod to Raiders of the Lost Ark in any way? <laughs> um, it wasn't actually, but, you know, like I think just like those little moments of building anticipation and, and um, you know, we, we're obviously working on uh, like pretty tight budget. So just trying to be creative in terms of how we showed movement and how we showed like gave the house like physicality and kind of gave the house life. And, um, I mean, um, that, that little... Um, uh, wrist flex from Freya was was all her and you know it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, you know guys in action scenes when they kind of like pump their pump their biceps getting ready to fight which um, I thought was a nice little nod to uh, Denise's skills at, at pickpocketing. Very good. Um, I wanted to talk about how this is just such a unique movie in the time travel kind of like movie subgenre because there's been so many time travel films and Sometimes you get some sent to you and it's kind of like the same old, same old. In this case, what makes it really unique to me is that time travel devices, it's like an external thing, a phone booth, a car, what have you. This is like uh, the they kind of like the, the thing that makes the time travel happen in your movie, in Time Addicts, is a drug. You ingest it, you, you, sm- you inhale it. Where did that kind of idea come from to have something that ingests and takes part within internally? Uh, the body as opposed to having like a, an external kind of object to uh, to be the, the thing that makes people go back and forth in time. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of, um, you know, I, I can't really remember where it first came from, but I always liked the idea that it felt very visceral. Like it felt very like, you know, like the characters are getting uh, more and more stretched in terms of their capacity and the more of the drug they ingest, the more sort of lost they, they get. Um, you know, so obviously there's like a lot of parallels you can you can pull there. But yeah, I like the fact that, you know, you kind of had all these inbuilt story mechanics where it was just putting more and more pressure on the characters, but they couldn't stop. Was there any influence whatsoever from, well, look, like several months ago, I was listening to a podcast about um, uh, how the military, both in the US and the UK, um, were messing around with like psychedelics and mind altering drugs and LSD and trying to weaponize it, right? For like some type of Cold War, um, like, um, uh, you know, espionage kind of stuff. Was any kind of that in influence in, in, in using like a external kind of like psychedelic kind of drug kind of thing uh, in your movie? Uh, well, I, th- I guess like uh, I was just sort of thinking through, okay, well, where would this come from? You know, the time period, like we find out in the film that the, the drug initially comes from like, you know, it was manufactured initially in the year 2050. So thinking through like the the evolution of drugs and obviously taking a little bit of creative liberty, but just sort of thinking through, okay, well, like we've already got some pretty heavy um, psychedelics and and um, and psychotropics now. 
uh, where could it go and, and you know, what would something be in the year 2050 or 2053 that would be sort of considered a street drug that can kind of even be like, um, you know, palmed off as like a little bit pedestrian for, for people of that time. The subject of drug abuse in the movie in, in, in relation to, to time travel is interesting because, you know, I, I've known some people, I've known some family who had, had problems with that kind of stuff. And it's interesting how drug addiction in one person, it can have a ripple effect on everyone kind of around them um, from, you know, close family members to even like just like the broader community. Um, was that something that kind of was brought to mind as well? How like how altering something in time can have a ripple effect, like that whole butterfly effect, but how drug addiction within a family or community can have that same type of, type of ripple effect um, as well. It can change things uh, for for the usually for the worse. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, yeah, I think like you know there are a lot of um, yeah parallels drawn in the film from you know like those kind of um, those kind of aspects. I think you know also that the way the characters interact with their past and future selves sort of speaks a little bit to that as well. You know, like you're never really, um, I guess when you sort of get that deep into, into abuse of, of drugs, you kind of never really doing yourself any favors and you are sort of setting up your future self for more issues. And, and, um, so, you know, kind of playing with that idea of like kind of screwing yourself over at the same time. Um, I, I described the movie as a sci-fi thriller. There's a lot of kind of black comedy kind of elements to it as well. And I think a lot of it comes especially from the character of Johnny, who Charles Grounds just does a great job in in in, in performing and creating. Um, one of my favorite um, quotes in the movie is how Johnny described himself as a man who um, I think he was described himself to, some, to someone else. And he says, um, this guy has none of my spirit of charm or ambition, which is kind of such a funny thing. And it suits the character to a T because his ego is just as big as his addiction, right? Um getting that balancing act though of getting an actor who can hit that balancing act between the kind of the funny side of the character but also kind of like the sympathetic side as well and then kind of like having that skeezy through line between both of them um that's a high wire act i think because that can go either way and can really kind of tip the balance of the movie one way to another um charles does a great job in doing that what was it like casting him in a movie and was that part kind of difficult to cast considering that balancing act that character needed yeah, it was incredibly difficult to cast, and and we spent so long looking for for Johnny that we uh, didn't leave ourselves much time to to find Denise, which was really stressful. I'd say the casting was probably the most stressful part um, of the whole process. Um, so, like, we were super grateful when we found Charles. Like, I think we kind of all knew straight away that he walked the line between all those things. You know, he could be sort of like. Um, he could sort of bring it down and be a bit skeezy and you knew that he always had kind of his own narratives going on and his own sort yeah. of like little manipulations and so forth but he was still charming and likable and you know he's probably someone that everyone kind of knows and you know you kind of brush off as um, you know talking a, a fair bit of shit and philosophizing mm -hmm. on a lot of stuff that he probably doesn't know a lot about but he yeah. still is you know somewhat intelligent in, in his own way and um yeah so yeah we struck we struck gold with charles i think like um absolutely as like a high wire act and that's why we kind of spent so long looking for johnny because we knew that if we got that part wrong like we kind of probably thought that the film would be a bit of a joke in a, in a bad way uh, and um, yeah, so very lucky, like with his performance, and then yeah, having left ourselves only sort of like a couple of weeks to find Denise, we got super lucky with uh, with Freya as well. Well, Freya is the character of Denise is very much the the heart of the film, right? She's kind of like the emotional core of it, and Freya just does an excellent job in it. To have someone coming like so late in the process, though, it was like two weeks before pre production, right? 
um, when you finally get her in and you bring her and Charles together, what was that like finally seeing your two, your your Denise and your Johnny, your two kind of characters together in one room at the same time, considering the the um, the hard circumstances of trying to cast her, those two characters? Yeah, well, Freya just moved back from LA, so she was in Perth. Um, she's originally from there, and so you know we'd initially done a first round of um, auditions for for Denise, and and we still wanted to see some more people, and um, got lucky that Freya had just arrived back, and and she sent us a, a tape um, that we all really liked, and and we sent her another scene to um, just to sort of see how she bounced off Charles. That like was something we were just going to do over Zoom. And, um, you know, we'd sort of said, oh, you know, can we kind of do this like, you know, in a few days time, like we're on a bit of a, a tight schedule. And she was like, I can just do it today. And she just learned the whole scene that day. And like, you know, just it was incredibly difficult and long scene as well. So we were like, yeah, it was like we kind of knew that 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 she was going to be on it. I mean, it's a really difficult part. And I mean, she's sometimes she's in most scenes and then sometimes she's twice in the scene as well, you know, so she has a lot to carry. Um yeah, and we got we got super lucky with uh, yeah with her and and just sort of what she brought to the role as well. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by T Public. T Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, T Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Gift Card Store. Australia's leading provider of gift cards, Gift Card Store offers a variety of prepaid MasterCard and Visa cards in physical or e-card format. You can even design your own card as the ultimate personalised gift. With Gift Card Store, you can gift the gift you know they will love. Please support Matt's Movie Reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. This movie is Melbourne shot, Melbourne set, but the main setting is this house. And from what I've read, like this house is like something that's going to be set for demolition, so you and your art, art team can go in there and mess around with it and do what you need to do with it. And what I love about having the main setting as a house is that to me, a lived-in house is kind of like a time capsule. Like every room has its own memories. I remember not long ago, I took my kids um, to the house that I grew up in. And it just seemed like that every time I stepped into a room, there was like all the memories going to come alive and like right in front of you. You know, every room has a certain scenario where something happened here or something happened there. You can almost kind of like, it's almost, is kind of like jumping back in time and seeing it. Um is that how you kind of wanted to approach the house in your movie? Like you wanted to see it as kind of like a time capsule where every room kind of captures an essence of time or a moment in time? Because the great thing about the movie is always the sound, the sound of um design in the movie is that while two dialogues are uh, two characters are speaking in one room, and you can hear in the background the other rooms have their own kind of like things going on as well, right? And I, I, especially with headphones on, I think it works like really brilliantly. I love to see what it's like in, in a cinema setting as well. So the whole kind of time capture element of a house, is that something that you really like wanted to kind of like uh, hone in on and, 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 and kind of like um, bring forth on, on the screen? Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, there's a lot of little Easter eggs in there for, for people that can be, you know, bothered to sort of go through with a fine tooth comb in the background. You know, like we, we kind of kept a lot of elements in the house um that kind of grow throughout and obviously there are some some key story moments that you know we sort of see things in the house you know like for instance like 
you know, some some writings or some etching, etchings and, and um, you know, the mirror and, and so forth where, you know, you're kind of getting in the, the house at the present and then, you know, things are a certain way and you're kind of asking yourself, well, how did we, how did we get here? How did it get to get to this? And, um, you know, so we sort of like unpack that as the story goes along. I think also we sort of like, um, you know, as well as the house being, you know, kind of a little time capsule, like we also thought of it, uh, as its own character as well, given that we sort of have such a limited cast, like trying to pull from the cast and different aspects in terms of building the story with more characters. It's like, okay, well, we can use different aspects or different versions of the characters themselves to be sort of different different characters, but then the house as well as a character. And, and you know, like when they first get in there, it does feel, you know, a little bit haunted until we sort of figure out what's going on. And then obviously, um, you know, there's even we get to the point where the house even speaks, you know, so like it, it definitely was its own sort of character and, and you know, had probably gone through a lot of the uh, a lot of its own sort of like, I guess, traumas that the, that the characters had to. Um, another theory I had while watching a movie. So when reading about your influences for the film, I, I read like Scanner Darkly was something I was big on you. The films of Terry Gilliam was something I was big on you, especially something like 12 Monkeys. 12 Monkeys was released in 1995. A key year in the movie is 1995. Is that choice of 1995 kind of like a little tribute to that movie? I wasn't, but yeah, I did I did um, see that recently and I was like, oh, that's a nice little uh, serendipitous nod to, to 12 Monkeys. But yeah, that film had like a huge influence and and um, yeah, I loved, uh, you know, Terry Gilliam films growing up. So like, um, yeah, any sort of little nod to, to some of those classics, um, you know, I'm, yeah, happy that we got that in there. So my next question, and just for my audience, is going to come with a little bit of a, um, a mature warning here because we're going, to, we're going to talk about some words here that show up in the screenplay quite often. I was talking to a um, an, um, another director recently, and she um, is, had to move the word cunt in her in her movie quite a bit as well. And I always find it funny how, and it's a joke I used to have with an old friend of mine, and so only in Australia could that word be used as like a, a word, a term of affection, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was saying how when she screened her movie to American audiences, they couldn't just really kind of get into it because that movie, that word over there is just a little... Yeah. little is still a bit taboo where in Australia it's something like, I don't know, it's almost become like Aussie lingo in a sort of way. And the way, the creative way that you use that word and other curse words in your screenplay as well, it's kind of funny, but it's kind of like a, almost like a mammity, David Mamet kind of thing. It kind of like pops. It's kind of like a rhythm to it. When you write your dialogue and you put your your curse words in there, whether it be the word fuck or cunt or what have you, are you aware of a rhythm that you're setting with 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 your words? So is that something how you like to write? Because it's something that I kind of picked up on, especially when Johnny has the dialogue, because um, I find that there's a little bit of a, a way that he approaches his, uh, the way that he speaks. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Johnny is Johnny. I guess he's sort of like a, a modern day poet, right? So, like, we, I kind of did think a lot, you know, in terms of, I think even without the swearing, even like his sort of regular speech patterns, like when he's sort of just giving his little speech at the start of the film um, in the dumpling house about um, undercover cops and legacy, like that just sort mm. of flows um, so well the way Charles delivers it uh, too. And I think, um, yeah, with the swearing, I guess like. Um, when I, when I was writing it, I, I felt like I hadn't gone overboard with the swearing. I mean, you know, like you see a lot of lads and essays around and like um, cunt and fuck would be in pretty much every 
every sentence that they would say. So like at times I did feel like I was being like conservative with it. Um, And I probably had a lot less swearing in there than in the final film. I think that the swear words were just, um, you know, the characters just kind of lent into them, like, and all the actors just lent into them. And I think that, you know, that that's fair enough because, um, you know, like I guess they're always just trying to look for that little bit of edge and, and, you know, like it does sort of roll off the tongue so well and, and give a lot of those little, uh, more venomous insults, a bit more bite, mm. uh, you know. So, like, um, I think that there, yeah, I think in the in the screenplay, like, it, you know, I kind of used it, um, you know, where I felt was relevant. But I know that like there were a fair few more thrown in on the day. There's another um, line in the movie that I'm a big fan of, and I think it really brings home certain things in the movie. And I had it written down here, and it says, um, uh, where is it here? Um, ba 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 ba. Oh, okay, here we go. Um, we all owe our past just one more chance. And I think that's a really great line of dialogue in the movie because I think when people see, you know, people like uh, Denise or Johnny, whether it be in your movie or in real life, people come with certain preconceptions, uh, maybe like um, their own kind of attitudes towards kind of like um, uh, people in addiction and such. And I think it's a really nice line because it's a reminder that a lot of times when people in the throes of addiction um, especially when people are in recovery, you realize that when they strip everything back, and that's kind of like a whole point of recovery, right? You have to strip everything back and build yourself from the bottom up. Um, there's a past, there's trauma, there's all these other things. I think it's a really nice line that you're putting there. So I think it was a good on you for really reminding us in that movie that, um, you know, everyone has a past and everyone has, you know, balls once in a while. And sometimes people just can't get up. And I think uh, Johnny, with Johnny and Denise, um, there was just uh, something that happened to them. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we we worked really hard on just that sort of the 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 growth of the characters, and and you know, hopefully people kind of pick up on that and and feel for them. So you know, like I, I know that initially, like we did a focus group screening. I think when we finished our first rough cut, and um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I don't really like them at the start of the film, and and um, I I just don't see that as an issue, you know, like I think that that's a positive if you don't like them and you kind of grow to like them over the, over the period of the film, then, um, you know, hopefully we've done done our jobs in that sense as well. And, and yeah, totally. Like, I think, uh, you know, like, you know, I think there are definitely people when, and, you know, some, some of the uh, older people that were in our focus group as well, that maybe couldn't get past that or, you know, couldn't accept that these guys had had sort of gone through something and, you know, in in Johnny and Denise's case, and this isn't the case with everyone, but I think there are, you know, their, their addictions and their codependency is symptomatic of like larger issues, which which we sort of unpack throughout the film as well. So I hope that everyone can kind of understand that because I know that everyone, um, you know, does have does have issues and has different ways of dealing with them. Well, I got to say that Time Addicts has come to me in a really great time because I'm actually putting together my favorite film, Aussie films of the year, and it's firmly in there. And okay. for everyone out there listening, December seven, uh, which is tomorrow, go check out Time Addicts and watch it in the cinema. Everyone needs to watch Aussie films in the cinema, independent films especially. Um, time Addicts, just like how Johnny said, this is a movie of spirit, the charm, and ambition. And I'd like to thank Sam for your time today. Congratulations, mate, with your movie. Um, can't wait to see what you do next. I know this was a, like a, a rough shoot just right after COVID and um, indie production and everything. And um, you show just really great, great promise here, man. And I can't wait to see what you do in the future. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thanks so much, Matt. That's really kind. And yeah, no, appreciate it.